0: What do you call somebody who's like really good at karaoke?
1: Karaoke yeah. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I should have said me. <laughs> Called <him> Jillian. <laughs>
2: Jillian Benzavali. Hello, Patrick Hines. Fam, speaking of karaoke, please come <laughs> join us at Obsessed Fest. Good
1: segue, Thank girl. Thank you so
2: much. September 30th, October 2nd. Yeah. The Hyatt Regency in Columbus, Ohio. I just went out there to like tour the venue. Yes, you
1: saw it in yep. person. We went
2: out with the events team. We saw the space. We saw it's the great, main right? stage. We saw all the meeting rooms. We saw the second stage.
1: It is incredible. We're going to love it.
2: I mean, we're doing so much. We're doing during the day, we're also doing karaoke. Yep. You're doing a Taylor Swift sing along. Yeah.
1: We're doing like family feud where family we're just going to have a lot of fun. Hub
2: trivia. Yeah. But then we're also doing like panel, so fam just for clarity there's the daytime pass and then there's the evening live shows you okay. can come to both or you can come to either they are separate tickets unless you got like early on you got a package that included sure. both one quick thing if you have any questions about Obsessed Fest email us at help at obsessedfest.com don't go to the Facebook group for answers just email there we'll get back to you within oh, a day but the live show tickets <gasps> are on sale right now Yay! so it's scamfluencers and Obsessed with Disappeared on Friday okay. morbid and us on Saturday oh, man, we're closing the whole thing out with a drag brunch on <laughs> Sunday but get your live show tickets now because those tickets really are going they to They are sell going out. fast, yeah. So, yeah.
1: Other than that, join us on the Pates. What's on the Pates? Oh, God. What isn't on the Pates? Yeah. Um, all those, like, long series. So, Relentless and Making a Murder and The Jinx and The Vow and Heaven's Gate and Night Stalker and that Gacy thing on Peacock
3: That and Menendez, this, thing the Menendez thing where Eric called
1: from prison. Eric tells all.
3: Eric all. He tells told all. And he did. Bam.
2: That was it. A- game changer for yeah. all of us yeah. the Lacey Peterson one where maybe Scott is innocent uh, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> the, um, what was the one in the wilderness
1: wilderness of error oh no uh, wild crime but, but also, also wilderness of error.
2: of error that was another Errol Morris one yeah. about that guy did he kill his wife oh my god Errol I, know. I took
1: so much issue with him
2: <laughs> what happened it. join the Facebook group yeah. it's the uh, true crime obsessed podcast discussion group we have fun we have fun we have fun like everywhere
1: really <laughs> <Totally. laughs> now that I'm saying it out loud I realize wow this is fun it's true
0: Girl, what
1: are we talking about today? So, we are talking about the hunt for the Chicago Strangler, which is yeah. on Discovery Plus. So, we are picking up in the middle of episode two of their, of episode, their two. episode. Yeah.
2: It's a three episode series. We covered the first episode and a half in episode one. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to it now. Yep. And now, our episode two is picking up halfway through their episode two, and it's going to cover that in episode three. Yeah. And we're back. There's with... just no way to make There's it not the... confusing. I know. You know I what know. I mean?
1: It's much easier when it's not three episodes. <laughs> I know. If it's like four episodes, totally. then it's like just... the first two. (laughs) it makes the half make sense it's a very hard visual like picture just don't worry about it
2: fam we got you just keep listening
1: you don't don't have to do anything
2: can you give them a quick like previously on previously on Chicago
1: police are not caring about yeah
2: 51 strangled women from 2000 to
1: 2021 in Chicago most of them are black women Uh, the cops say they haven't done anything wrong really and now (laughs) we're with some we're trying to get to the bottom of what is happening to these women yeah and we have some nerds who have created an algorithm yeah these nerds are Tom we we, and we Mike. say nerds with, I just want to say, we say nerds with love. We love nerds. I married a nerd. Pro, we are pro-nerd and I'm, always have been. We, this is a very nerd-positive podcast. Yeah. There's, there's, yes. My husband is a nerd celebrity. if a ever nerd, there
2: was yeah. one. I mean,
1: loves, loves a spreadsheet.
2: <laughs> you guys, she's really getting, she's reaching the end of her, I know.
1: <laughs> her comfort with it. Remember last week where I was like, I'm going to be good at this. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I don't want to do it anymore. All right,
2: let's do this. Their company is called the Murder Accountability Project. It's Michael
1: and Thomas. Thomas. I prefer Let's Get the Guy, but like I said, right, yeah, Tommy, yeah, yeah. I'm not (laughs) I'm not going to intrude. They're they're professionals. This is their job.
4: What we set about to do in 2010 was to see if we could teach a computer to spot linked murders uh, using data.
3: It's an experiment that proves successful, resulting in an algorithm specifically designed to spot patterns that often go undetected
2: this algorithm can basically tell you and your city if you got a serial killer on the loose.
1: Yeah, they're just using the information, the data, the data, data, however you say it, and to try to figure it out. So they realize that there's another pattern which happens in other cities. Because right now they're focusing on Chicago to figure out what the hell is going on with these 51 victims, and now they're kind of branching out. So they say, yes, a large number of victims are what they call on the margins, vulnerable people, sex workers, what people would say, like easy targets. Yeah, But there are also departures from that.
2: Yeah, because they range in age as well. Most of the women are black, but they say some of them are brown, some of them are white. Mm-hmm. So before we get go any farther, Michael says we don't know what the selection process was, and I just said he says process like a
1: Canadian. He's Canadian, is he? Yeah, <laughs> he's so cute. Yeah, he has that little can, like a boot, and a boot process, process. Yeah. yeah. He says, like, grade eight instead of eighth grade. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a Canadian thing. I learned that from Degrassi, The Next Generation. Totally. Yeah. Uh, because I'm a cultured person, and I watched Degrassi, The Next Canadian Generation. Canadian TV. It's a foreign yeah. film. No, Canadian melodrama. Are you kidding? I Heads know. in high school. Manny and Emma, oh, oh God. Sean, Ellie.
2: <laughs> the Next Generation.
1: Ashley and Jimmy.
2: But Michael and Thomas are saying they're seeing enough connections between these cases in Chicago that it warrants alarms. And then Michael refers to murder as often being an indoor sport. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I, Thomas, I didn't like that. I didn't like that and at all. And he goes, but not here. And then he goes, the victims were entirely disrespected. Now, to be fair, yes. murder is never respectful, That's Thomas. true. Just to get it out there. hundred percent. It's, it's all bad. Yeah. But also, another thing, when they say that they aren't sure how or why the victims came in contact with the killer. Oh,
2: yeah. Because remember, one of them got a phone call and then she left. Another one, like, going to get the report cards was found in an abandoned building. Yeah. Like, we don't know how their victims are coming in contact with the killer.
1: Right. And Tom is like, now, I have seen this pattern before.
4: There was a cluster of 50. 50- strangulations of women in the Gary, Indiana area. Most victims were found in abandoned properties and empty alleyways. So I called the public information office. I said, we have this technique that may be identifying serial murder. So the spokesman called down to the detectives, and then he called me back and said, well, I checked with our detectives. There are no... Unsolved serial murders in Gary, Indiana.
1: They're like, shut up, Tom. No, in
2: fairness to Indiana, like they fuck up here, but like this was an untested algorithm. You know what I mean? Right, like, but
1: what they're saying is we don't have any unsolved serial murders in Indiana, Thomas. Right. So whatever. Like they won't entertain the conversation at all.
2: Which, like, if you're Thomas and you're like, he's done the research, he's like plugged it all into his machine, and he's like, no, I can tell that there's right. a serial killer on the loose, and Indiana's not listening to him. That must be very frustrating. Right, like
1: I'm Tom and I'm saying there's chaos down here. Right. Chaos <laughs> down here, me. Like, let's figure <laughs> It out. And they're There's like,
2: Chaos down here. Me. Me. And they're
1: like, Tom, shut up, Tom. What yeah. are you, a hysterical woman? God. Well,
2: because we cut to four years later. It's 2014. We're like right at the scene of a Motel 6 where a housekeeper has like found a body in a bathtub. Mm-hmm. The woman who was murdered, her name was Africa Hardy. And they are able to quickly identify her killer as a man named Darren Dion Van.
1: Right. But do you know where Darren's from? Where? Indiana, Right. where all of this was happening. And Tom right. was like, Can you please pay attention? I can help you solve the murder. And they I said shut up Tom right. now we're back in Indiana and the thing was this
2: woman in Africa was a sex worker they met on a, on a website called Backpage and we learned that she had like a female pimp that she was supposed to check in with, she never checked in with her. And that's how, like, the, the cops got called, essentially.
1: And, and but now, female pimp, hold on a second. Yeah. The police call her a facilitator, but isn't she a trafficker? Isn't that the word we use? A well,
2: trafficker? the one thing that I've read about Backpage is that, like, it gives sex workers more autonomy to, like, pick their jobs or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. But I think that, like, I don't know. The, the, yeah. the, the short answer is I don't know. Yeah, because they do use the word <laughs> facilitator,
1: which, yeah. of course, I googled. Yeah. And basically, it's like the definition of, as per the internet, any business or person allowing, or assisting a trafficker to carry out their business. Yeah. So, I don't know. I
2: don't know. It, it doesn't sound not safe. Clear. It does not sound safe. No, it doesn't. But this guy, Van, they drag him downtown, and we get the most insane police interrogation video we have ever seen.
1: Yeah. And, oh, look, he has a history of assaulting women. Well, Violent he, sexual assaults. And he literally
2: says, we know that he moved her to the bathtub, and the cops are like, how did you accomplish that? And he said he drugged
3: her. It's like, I have it, I always move my victims.
4: Van confessed. He said he killed uh, Miss Hardy and he had killed many women. I have no problem taking you, like, right now to
0: six bodies. If y'all got one, I'll take you six more.
2: And he says to the cops, you've got one body. I can take you to six other bodies right now. And then he does. And
1: some of them were missing for years. The cops yeah. weren't even looking for them. All of them were strangled. Right. Oh, now, my God. We're
2: obviously going to connect us to Chicago eventually. But Tom and Mike, the
1: hot nerds with the algorithm, were like, we told you. He was like, I was trying to help. And, he, and Tom was like, let me tell you yeah. how I was trying to help. He goes, I did everything I could to get the attention of the cops. I have phone calls, registered letters, yeah. like real documentation over yeah. a year trying to say, like... Like, let me help you at least have a conversation. Let me explain this algorithm. I know yep. it's new. Yep. Can you just have a phone call with me? And they just wouldn't do it.
2: And it, it, it is confusing to me because I can't imagine this is true, but it seems like they just don't want to solve the... I think what's happening is Gary and Deanna wasn't ready to admit that they had a serial killer on right. their hands. You know what I mean? But,
1: like, solve that. Like, who cares? Like, I know. these egos. It's so
2: ridiculous. Or, like, the amount of work it's going to cause for Ooh-hoo. them. Or I know. Poor <laughs> you. you. You showed up to work, didn't it's you? It's true. <laughs> Might as well have just stayed home. Yeah. You think I wouldn't rather be napping than recapping this documentary right now? I think you'd rather be here. I, I think you're having here. a nice time. <laughs> I'm having a good time. <laughs> but Thomas and Mike say that, like, this situation was confirmation for them that their algorithm works. Right. This also, was, like, their test case.
1: Right. And also, this piece of shit um, is serving seven life sentences without parole. Bye. Thank God.
2: Bye. So they're saying, all right, we were right about Indiana, and now we're looking at our data. We plug in the data for Chicago, and the algorithm is signaling a red
4: It, alert. like, explodes. It's yeah. basically
1: like, okay, something horrible is happening in Chicago, people really have to pay attention. Because Thomas says,
4: Chicago is a very large cluster, one of the largest we've
5: ever seen. You've got these victims who every few months and few years are being targeted and sort of get drowned out in the the background noise of everything going on in the city. This type of chaotic environment is often ideal for serial killers to operate in.
2: It's such a chaotic environment that it's a perfect, quote, playing ground for serial killers. And especially if they're targeting people on the margins that no one cares about.
1: Right. Well, we need a woman to come in here and do the work. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Kim Fox is here. Well, she's here. She's Does here. she do the work? No, she tries. <laughs> she seems
2: amazing. Well,
1: because what she says is. She-
2: we get like 10 minutes of her and I love it.
1: Yeah. She was elected in 2016. And she says, like, I'm a rarity because, like, she is works in the state's attorney's office. And she says, women of color make up only 2% of her profession, if that. Or
2: less. Or less. Like,
1: that's so crazy. So when Kim takes office, 45 women have been found strangled in Chicago with no...
2: No arrest, And then we get Kim's backstory, and it's an incredibly told backstory. And she says, like, I see myself in these women, not in the women who've been murdered, not just because they're black, but because they come from the communities like the kind that I came from. And we learn that she was raised in, like, the notorious Cabrini Green housing project. That's where fucking Candyman takes place. Yeah. She had a teenage mom. Her mom was dealing with addiction issues. She struggled with mental health.
1: And Kim says she was assaulted as a kid. I mean, she truly does see herself in these women.
2: Yeah, and... even in the retelling of it for this episode, she has to pause. Yeah, And of she's course. like, you know, that happened 40 years ago and I still have PTSD from it. Of course. You know, like I can still, the tastes and the smells and the sounds, that never leaves you.
1: I know. And she's trying to solve it. And these cops who've never, never experienced anything like this a day in their life, just they just can't be bothered. Yeah. They're too tired. It's 5 one I know. I gotta go home. I, I want my piping hot dinner on the table. The thing that's annoying about Kim is that
3: she says, I think the fabric of what you see for so many people who are invested in these cases is that underlying theme related to sexual abuse, sexual trauma, particularly for poor women and particularly for Black women, and not having that trauma recognized, realized, or given voice to. And so I find it my obligation to do that.
2: I find it my obligation to fight for them and give them a voice, but then she fucking doesn't, really. I know, really. I know. And we'll get to that in a minute. But for, in 2017, police finally get a break in one of the earliest cases. Remember Gwen Williams? She was the one that, like, had the amazing family with the, the bodybuilder brother and yes, sister. Yes, from 2002. <laughs> yeah. There's
1: finally a match on the DNA that was found on her body.
2: Remember when they went to, like, the area where Gwen's body was found? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were, like, looking around it, like, she was found in this alley surrounded by apartment buildings. Right. Like, how did nobody see anything? And they're there, and they're, like, like, they're crying
1: again. I know. Don't make the families do this. It's Stop. 100%. Be nicer to them. I know. Take better care of the people in your documentary if you're going to tell the story. Like, tell stories with more care. Right. You know what I mean? Yes, like, in, I in the true crime space, like, we just need to do better in how stories are being told and how we're treating the surviving family. Totally.
2: And then, like, right away, I'm like, wait, what's happening here? Because we learn about the person, the suspect, whose DNA matched right. Gwen's killer, but we don't get his fucking
1: name. So here's the deal. Yeah. They arrest this guy down in Florida for first murder. Carter. This guy denied knowing Gwen or being with her or anything, but it is his DNA on her. So what the hell is happening, right? Right.
2: And so Kim, the state's attorney, does not think they've got enough evidence to prosecute this guy. Because
1: siblings are like, lawyer Kim, you got to actually, you got to get this yeah. guy back from Florida into Chicago so we can charge him and prosecute him. And right. lawyer Kim says, a lot of people
3: don't quite understand our burden of proof in the court of law to prove someone guilty is beyond a reasonable doubt. That is a high burden that we must meet. But in this case, as in Teresa Buns, the state's attorney's office does not believe the evidence meets that burden, and they do not order the extradition.
1: They need to prove beyond a reasonable doubt, and she can't do that because of another case in Chicago that has set a precedent. Right. And so, we see this all the time.
2: Yeah, and one of the sisters tells us, like, Kim tells us that she, like, went to meet with the family yeah. and told them this story as to why they weren't going to f-
1: bring their sister's rapist and murderer home. So, there was another case that set a precedent. We might have actually even covered it, honestly, uh-huh. because we've, co- we've talked about this before. Where the guy's like, yes, my DNA was there. Yep. Yes, I had sex with her. I didn't kill her. And this guy, by the way, the one
2: In the precedent-setting case, he was convicted for this rape and murder and was sent to prison. But then his appeal said this. His
1: appeal was like, well, she was a sex worker and yes, of course my DNA was there because we had sex, but that doesn't mean I killed her. And so he won the appeal. They
2: couldn't prove that he killed her.
1: And it was overturned. His
2: conviction was overturned. And so Kim is using that precedent to say it's the same thing here. Like he can just say, yes, I had sex with her, but you can't prove that he killed her. And Gwen's sister is saying like, yes, but Gwen wasn't a sex worker. But at the end of the day, nothing happened.
1: Right, the lawyers are like... There's really not enough here because this precedent has been set. So let's go back to the computers and the algorithm because we learned there's a gap. There were no murders between 2014 and 2017. So like, was the killer in prison? Right. Did he fucking die? Were there health problems? Like, what's going on? And more information from the algorithm. 75% of the victims were black.
2: Right. And one third were white and Latino. And Mike from the Murder Accountability Project is very clear to be like, this is what the data says. I'm, I'm not saying this. I'm not saying this. And Tom's like, I'll say it.
4: In America we kill within our race. If you tell me the race of a victim, I'll tell you The offender was the same race. And I'll be right, at least 77% of the time. That's what the data show.
1: 77% of the time, it's true. Of course there are exceptions. So
4: fam, this is the bombshell that I was talking about at the end of the last episode
2: because Tom looks at the fucking camera and says,
4: We think it's likely there are at least three separate killers who are killing multiple women.
2: We think there are at least three separate serial killers all active in Chicago right now. Working
1: independently. Independently. It's like all separate. It's not like a team of serial yes, killers. Yes, and he says we're looking for one white guy and two black guys according to ah, the information.
2: I I literally wrote jaw on the floor. Three active serial killers in Chicago. Which is why right they're... no, I fam. Know,
1: Which is why when they were like, well, that's weird. There's not a connection but there were connections but then not connections. Tom yeah. is saying that explains why some cases feel connected yes. but not connected in the grand scheme of things because there are three different men doing this independently. And they're saying at least there could be more. We're talking about 51 dead women. So in August of 2017, this has been going on for almost 20 years, right? Tom takes all this information and goes right to the Chicago police. And they're like, okay, thanks. We'll be in touch. Bye. And of course, Tom never hears from them. Yeah. And the episode
2: ends with Tom saying, but like the journalists were savage. (laughs) The journalists
1: were not like, the
2: journalists were not dropping the ball in this story. And
1: also like the algorithm is great, but like the facts are enough for journalists to pick up on the fact that like something needs to be done here because there are 51 51 dead dead women. That like unsolved, 50 unsolved strangulation cases. That's crazy. Right. Like something's got to give here.
2: again, the mere fact that they were all strangulations alone. Isn't that
1: crazy? Yes. So everyone, except the cops, are like, we got to get to the bottom of this. So now the journalists are on it, the family. Now there's like strength and power in numbers.
0: Yes, exactly
1: So now we're on to episode three of the hunt for the Chicago strangler. It's called the Killing Rages. <gasps>
2: so it's Chicago, 2017. It's been three years since the last strangulation that seems to like to fit with these murders.
1: They're saying that life in Chicago kind of
2: seems to be getting back to normal.
1: Not so fast. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> because not
2: so fast, celebrity. No,
1: not so fast.
2: Oh God. <laughs>
1: That was a real stretch.
2: Sometimes when I'm like listening to the episodes after we get them back from the editors, you're like, "Oh god!" It's like my favorite part of your like despair at me being oh, so annoying. Please don't. Like, oh god! Oh god!
1: I can't help that. Like, I, know, so I, I know. I know. I like. I can't who you are. I know sometimes I I have a bit of a tone problem. Not with me. It's fine. You will love it and you embrace it. Totally. So I appreciate that very much that I could be truly myself or better or worse on the show. So it's 2015. We're in Alexandria, Virginia. And the Murder Accountability Project starts tracking Chicago's strangulations, right? That's when this happens. And so they call it MAP, right? Yes. Murder Accountability Project. Yes. So MAP is now working with reporters to build these narratives and learn about these victims, right? Right. So we learn about Diamond Turner. She was 21 years old.
2: Hers is the murder that broke the quiet streak. Right. So that was March 3rd of that year.
1: Right. And so now three months later, Catherine Buchanan, who's 58 years old, there's another murder, right?
2: Yes. She's also the oldest woman to be murdered fitting this pattern. Right. 58. And,
1: and this is confusing to the Murder Accountability Project because they're like, how is he even picking his victims? To which Michael... I know. ...says one of the most terrifying things. It's true, it's but it's true. terrifying. And you never hear it.
2: You never expect it out of
1: the mouth of a Canadian. I thought and you guys he, were so nice. So nice, right? And he goes...
5: We're not entirely sure what the victim selection process entails and it may be as simple as um, a target is identified and is close enough to what the offender uh, wants and as terrifying as this sounds a warm body to terrorize and to cause suffering to is really their, their end gate.
1: Maybe, I don't know, maybe he just right. wants a warm body to kill because suffering is really what they want. And nothing well, else matters. Michael. Yeah, he's saying that, like, he may have a preference, but
2: the act of killing trumps any preference.
1: Because of this rage.
2: Exactly. And I wrote, thanks, Mike.
1: Thanks, Mike. Oh, my God. Michael. Oh, my God.
2: Michael. I know. Michael. These are the things that Mike thinks about at night when he's home alone.
1: And you know what? Thank you, Michael. We need I know. to it's keep true. doing it because I, I, I'm thinking about it, but I am in a paralyzed state of anxiety it's about it. True. Michael is actually doing something. Michael, I, thank you. I got to say,
2: looking good doing it.
1: So. <laughs> so you've been very popular. not like you're not oh no I was
2: talking about Michael girl oh,
1: okay great <laughs> <Shit>.
2: But you, <laughs> you, you, said are, a, you said a nice thing you know, before you were, oh you are looking good you texted
1: me I this know. morning you said I was hot or you whatever hot. and I was like that made well, me feel I, a I wasn't like
2: sexting you at 7 in the morning
1: okay out of context that sounds like you were just like hey baby I woke up and
2: I was like hey you know what Hey, you're hot
1: I would take it I'd it's say true. thank you so much it's a great way to start the day <laughs> it made sense in the conversation it doesn't de- matter <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> matter. We're already talking too much about a compliment about me. It's, I know. It's very we gotta move on. Go go so, in 2018, there's a major story that comes out in the Chicago Tribune.
5: They actually identified 75 cases where they saw over approximately a 20 year period of women who were strangled or assaulted. And when they dug a little bit deeper, they saw the Chicago Police Department solved basically one-third of those cases.
2: The point is, a major, major news outlet is, like, publishing the story for the first time.
1: Right, so 75 cases, the cops solve a third of them, and everyone's like, so what about the other 51? Can, right. we, can we worry about them, please? Right, Thank so, you. like,
2: finally, somebody has cast a light on the fact that, like, 68% of these cases have not been solved.
1: So this has been happening since 2001. Yeah. The major story comes out in 2018. Two months after the story breaks, they're like, maybe we should start a task it's force. It's just... Why did I it know. take so long? I, I But also like Chicago Tribune why did it take you so long to write this fucking know, story? I Jesus. I know, everyone's to blame. Everyone. Except Mickey and everyone else. Right.
2: So the Chicago PD assigns a special team of homicide detectives who's going to work with the FBI Violent Crimes Task Force to take a closer look at the cases. And they're looking for like any links that might connect the 51 cases. They're saying also like is there more evidence to be collected? Is there anything that we can do like any further actions to be taken in any of these cases? And they talk about it as though like they were always planning to do this. You know what I mean? Like that they were always going Around to this,
1: yeah, they're using this hindsight to their advantage, totally.
2: and I'm no. not falling for it. No, absolutely I right. Not.
1: So, we learned about Laura Dawn Harbin, yes, because we learned 25 percent of the women are white, yes, which is also like, wait, how does what's going on here? What's which is why they're like, I think there's more than one guy,
2: yeah. I'm just gonna say it now because yeah. it's like, I don't know that there are serial killers here, and like somebody says it later,
4: there might be a serial killer, but what if there were 51 different people who committed them? That seemed to me so much worse and and so much more of an indictment of our city.
2: Isn't it more terrifying if 51 people individually killed these women and all 51 of them were able to get away yes, with it?
1: it's all bad. It's all it's bad. All, that is a very scary... Yeah, I don't know what's worse. Right? I know. That there's one person capable of doing this or that there are 51 of them. Honestly. Uh, I'm scared. Uh... So we meet Marissa and she's Laura's daughter and yeah. she tells us about Laura and, you know, Laura suffered from addiction and sometimes she disappeared disappear for days or even months. And we don't really get the timeline like when Laura's
2: body is found in Chicago she was 44 years old and her daughter daughter is saying to us like she never left Louisville like we're in Louisville meeting her yeah. family and she somehow we don't know how Laura ended up ultimately abandoning her kids and like just moving on to Chicago where she was eventually murdered
1: yeah like she missed Marissa's graduation and she'd be gone for months and then every once in a while Marissa would get a message on Facebook from someone else saying yeah. like your mom because her mom wouldn't always have a phone or she would just ask someone to find Marissa and just say like hey your mom thinks you're really beautiful and really misses you and hopes everything's okay and Mar- is like I don't. Who are you? I don't know who you are. It's
2: moments like this. I mean, and just in general, but like especially in moments like this, that I really feel so badly for people who are suffering from addiction, oh my God, because course. like there's nothing in the world that could take me away from Daisy except for heroin, probably. Of course, you know what or I mean? Or, yeah, and course, like,
1: like whatever the addi- of course, of and course.
2: like you're just so fucking. You must be so like. Sometimes I wonder why does addiction exist? Like why do why do we have these things in the world that just cause pain? Yeah,
1: why does it have to? Exa- I, I know. And they also, like, have to feel good, too. I know. I you know, know what I mean? Like, I hate that people are suffering from that, but it makes so much sense to me. Like, I, I totally understand.
2: It's so sad. Like, listening to the daughter talk is so heartbreaking for the daughter. But as a parent, I was like, yeah, your mom knows that. Your mom knows how of sad course, you are about of this. Of course. And she can't,
1: like, she just
2: can't stop. Because it's, it's not
1: her. It's, I know.
2: It's, you know? It's and, so fucking sad. And
1: what Marissa is saying is, like, somebody knows something. Like, this is pretty weird that all these women have all been you know, murdered the same way.
5: That's a lot of lives and a lot of lives around that life that that all affect it.
1: Someone has to have some kind of valuable and it's like, information. who's
2: this lady who DM'd me on Facebook right. last year? Like, like that lady's got to know something. And it, that
1: would happen periodically, and they'd yeah. always be different people. So, like, if we track down those people, like, maybe someone knows something.
2: Yes. And they're saying that Laura's race is important because we are reminded, again, that according to the experts, killers tend to kill within their own ethnic group. Right. And again, we're reminded that the Murder Accountability Project thinks that there must be at least three active serial killers in Chicago, which, again, is fucking terrifying.
1: Which is terrifying. And so, like, because the cause of death is the same, the way they're found is the same. Sometimes where they're found is the same. Yeah. But the race and age and occupation, like, they're all different. And so what the Murder Accountability Project is saying is that.
3: The brazenness of the murders, dumping bodies in busy areas with potential eyewitnesses, suggests that the killers know these neighborhoods well
2: it implies that the killers are familiar with the area, that at least is a clue. You know right, what I mean? Right, That, like, no one's looking into it at all.
1: Right, and remember, in 2018, Tom gave the cops all of this information over a year ago, yeah. and the cops were going to call him right back real quick, and then nothing happened. Right.
2: So in June 2018, in response to, like, all this media coverage, people are kind of coming out of the woodwork, people are demanding answers, and they have a big community rally. And they say two months after the rally, another woman is found strangled and dumped on the South Side, and this is Rio. Remember we talked about Rio in the first
1: episode yeah.
2: and her cousin, Ricardo. Yeah,
1: she's the 51st victim.
2: And this is where Ricardo, who's Rio's cousin, starts to like, play a major role in this episode. From now,
1: like, until the end of the series, we're with him. And he,
2: just as, like a person, I want to like be in his orbit. Yeah. He starts a non-profit called Fists Up, Guns Down. And he's saying that... Like, gloves
1: Up, because it's boxing. Oh, Gloves Up. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: Gloves Up, Guns Down. It's a non-profit that hopes to teach kids to avoid fights that result in gun retaliation. Yeah. But the point is, he says that he was only able to do anything become anything because Rio believed in him.
1: Ricardo's story. So Ricardo discovers that Rio is missing.
2: Everyone pull over. Everyone pull over because the way that Ricardo finds out that Rio is missing doesn't make any sense until it does. And
1: t- because he's like his family was at the hospital because his other cousin was just killed due to a random shooting.
3: I go up to the hospital and I see him laying there and I went back downstairs to let my family know what the situation was. And everybody kept saying, did anybody talk to Rio? Because she was the only person who wasn't there. My entire family was there. Everybody, everybody was there. Rio wasn't there. And nobody could get in contact with her.
1: Rio is the only person not in the hospital room, and she totally would be. So. Just like, just, pull Yeah, we got to that a second.
2: <laughs> Ricardo's other cousin was killed. The entire family goes to the hospital. Rio's not there. She would absolutely be there. Right. And that's how they find out that Rio's fucking missing. Like,
1: this poor guy.
2: And they say, like, the next day they're at the aunt's house consoling her over the loss of her child right. when
1: the fucking phone rings and it's the cops saying they found Rio's body in a fucking garbage can. And you know what Ricardo's doing? He's doing good work for the community yeah. to honor Rio with his Gloves Up program. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, he's yeah. not, he's doing such good work. Good work. He's taking all of this, like pain and strife, and doing good things with it. And this
2: is where, like, he just can't stop giving us the analogies about what an amazing person I she know. was. It's
3: analogy after analogy. He goes, What type of person throw a woman in a garbage can like that? She was not a piece of trash. She was my strength. She was everything. She was Whoopi Goldberg on Sister Act. She was the nun that came and saved everybody. She brought the voice. She brought the music. She set me free. She was my Harriet Tubman. She was Whoopi Goldberg in Sister Act.
2: She was the nun that came in and saved everybody. She brought the voice and the music. I I was like, Ricardo, that is the most amazing I'm like, like I totally get
1: it like the way he explains it I'm like I know
2: exactly what that means but like what a thing to like bubble to the top of your brain to describe your cousin and
1: then he doesn't stop there he goes I know. she set me free she I was know. my Harriet Tubman she was my Harriet
2: Tubman
1: Ricardo He is,
2: but like the biggest heart he's so strong and he's sobbing and it's just like I don't know I don't know how anyone survives this I don't know how you move on I don't know how you get out of bed the next morning and
1: so even worse Ricardo then Suddenly learns like his one cousin is shot and killed in a random gun shooting. Like, yeah, please. Yeah. Then he learns about Rio, and then he learns, wait. wait. There's a pattern. Right. 50 other women in addition to Rio have been strangled. And he goes, I'm sorry, how long did the cops know about this? Why isn't anything being done?
2: Because what he's saying is that when he realizes that the cops are shitty, this is when he's like, a different cop would come every day. Nobody was really paying attention to this. He starts talking to like the community leaders. Right. And he's talking to the guy at the barbershop and the guy at the grocery store. Right. And they're saying to him like, oh, Ricardo, we've known about this for years. Women have been going missing and winding up dead for years. And Ricardo is incensed. Right. He didn't know about this. And if everybody knows about this, how? How has there not been some sort of public safety bulletin? Right. How are they not informing the public to be, be careful? Be careful. I think that it's because they don't no, they don't. They're not counting. They're not talking to each other. Like, we know it's 50. I'm not excusing it. But, like, I'm saying Tom, like
1: Tom gave them the information a year ago right. now. Well, he
2: gave one guy the information a year ago. And who knows what they did with that. And it's like, I'm not excusing the behavior of the cops. We need to do better. We need a system. Yeah. We
1: need Tom's system in place. So yes. like, boop, 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 We off. have the technology right. now. <laughs> totally. I don't understand. You, I there are no excuses here. I everyone know. can communicate with everyone. Do your job. I know. Just do your, Just your, do your job. job. I know. It feels so easy. <laughs> like I know, I know it's a hard job. I know I know I know. Just,
0: just I know. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification to individualized coaching services to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development online, in person, individually or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com.
2: So, and at this point, Mike from the the Murder Accountability Project? Map. Map. He's saying...
5: Serial killers are that rare breed of criminal offender who force the police into making the very tough decision of um, protecting the public's safety and arming them with information versus causing a public panic and a media firestorm.
2: Serial killers put cops In a very uncomfortable position Too bad I don't, They're like They have to weigh the idea Of like public safety Versus public mayhem I
1: know Isn't something so complicated When I, we're trying to like solve lives. murders And I know. save lives And but get some closure I'm the problem I'm
2: If I were ever get A, a text alert That there was a serial killer On the loose in Hell's Kitchen You'd know about it ah! Ah! You'd, no, you'd stay inside We got above Exactly I would stay inside
1: I would take that Like that's a risk <laughs> I'm willing to take Totally Couple of rough nights For Steve and Daisy In the house With you screaming your head off Who cares? <laughs> We need it. It's worth it. It's the least we can do, Do You know GB. what I mean? Like, yeah. can we just, why do we have to do You know everything? what? I
2: would just be an inside celebrity. Th-
1: there it is. You'd be. Oh, God. <laughs> <sighs> So the families are all on the news. I
2: feel like the listeners are probably more sick of it than you are. I'm gonna. I'll oh, take a I break for the that. rest of the episode.
1: Can you? Can you just do me that so kindness? Right. I'll thank be you.
2: a rest celebrity. Okay, thank <laughs> you
1: so much. That's your last one now. I, know. I hope it was worth it. You wasted your last emperity on that. I hope you're happy now. So the families are all on the news and they're telling stories of their loved ones and they're basically like begging the cops to do something. So Congressman Bobby Rush gets involved and he does this town hall and it is packed. Usually, you know, when when politicians hold town halls, it's a crapshoot. You know, you maybe get two or three people to show up
2: but I remember that it was like wall to wall people in this auditorium,
3: and they had all the major journalists there, the Tribune, all those people's there.
1: Everyone in the community is speaking out. Map was there. Thomas and Michael, our algorithm friends, this major is where journalists. Tom, as part of his
2: speech, says there's a magic in counting things. You know, <laughs> he
1: loves math. But like He loves there counting. Is... He loves an algorithm because we can like take it and do some very human things with it. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like this really great combination. And that's
2: really simplifying it too, because it's like, like I've said 800 times in this episode one cop had just counted, hey, how many of those strangling deaths has there been in Chicago in the yeah.
1: last couple of years? 51. Huh. No one's like, counting. No one's counting. Yeah. So people are frustrated. They're yeah. angry, obviously. Yes. Like, even after everyone knows that this is happening, years are still going by and yes. no movement's happening. Yeah. So Brendan, the cop who's here, is very defensive. And he's like, you know, there's a serial killer on the loose for 20 years. Everyone looks at the cops I- to do <laughs> something. When I do know. we get a break? And I'm like, you know what? No shit, dude. Like, you have to listen to yourself here. What no are you one, saying? No
2: one made you be a cop. No, no one forced you to go into this line of work. And if
1: you're not going to do anything, yeah. then do something else. Go be an accountant. But it's also like, I'm not expecting them to have magical
2: powers. Like, But I think the community would take some comfort in them saying, we're working on it. Yes, like, We don't something. know what we feel you, we see you, we are working Instead on it. Instead
1: of like, we've never done anything wrong exactly. and everyone stopped asking us exactly. to find the serial killer. Right. I'm sorry, who else's job is it? I know. <laughs> I it's know. becoming everybody else's. <laughs> now, Beverly. I love her. The Beverly with the soul garden. We love her. Beverly approached me and asked if she could have a couple minutes of my time, which I said, of course I could.
3: And I said, I heard you and I would like to talk to you. And he gave me his card. You know, she asked if she could come and meet with me at the police station. And... We just began to have normal conversations about his children, my children.
1: She says, I saw something in him. And she sees a way into a conversation.
3: And this is really valuable. Like,
2: he's doing the wrong thing. She's one of those people who can bridge the gap somehow.
1: Yeah, and so what she wants to do, I think, is just have, like, a human conversation. Like, person to person. And she gets his card, and she shows up to the station, and they start chatting about life and their families. And we hear that
2: from both of them. Like, he, two camera interviews in this documentary, is talking about talking to her and how lovely that was. And she's talking... And, like, they're trying to build some kind of bridge.
1: Which is, like fine. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like I get it with the soul garden, but yeah, like yeah, but... we don't have the time anymore. <laughs> I, know, I know. Like I'm, I know that like you shouldn't have to chip away this long yes. to like humanize these women and yeah. show him that like, look, I used to be a sex worker and look at me. Uh-huh. Like I'm not like gross either. Like maybe you should care. Like we shouldn't have to do we this. We shouldn't
2: have to, but in this instance, it's what it's she, the can only thing she can it's do. It's all she's got,
1: you know? And so now it's January, 2020 the murder of Diamond Turner, the 46th victim. She was
2: the one that, like, broke the streak. Remember, there had been, like, yes. three years of no killing. Her murderer is arrested.
1: Right, and his name is Arthur Hilliard.
4: It's a case where you hear about it and, like, man, this is an open and shut case, right? I mean, they were involved in a, in a relationship of some kind. There's an eyewitness who says they've seen, like, him cleaning blood streaks from his bedroom to the door. You know, this is from the police telling me that.
1: The entire family was screaming at the cops, can you look into this Arthur guy? Yeah,
2: this is where the murder accountability program, it's, it's gotta be a serial killer, starts to like, lose some steam for me. Because it's like, we now know who did this. He says he didn't do it. They test all the DNA. He definitely did do it. There was
1: evidence linking him to the scene. There were witnesses. People yeah. saw him cleaning blood streaks. Right. Like, this is the guy.
2: So they've got his DNA now. And they're like, well, if everyone is saying these cases must all be connected, let's go see if his DNA was at any of the other crime scenes. And now, this is where where we learn many of these crime scenes didn't have any DNA or the DNA was like not collected or there wasn't enough to collect it. How
1: are you not collecting DNA? Well,
2: we get conflicting information here because Mike from the Murder... Accountability Project. Accountability Project is saying to us...
5: The lack of DNA in so many of the Chicago cases uh, can be attributable to a number of of explanations. One, the offender targeting African-American victims in particular Uh, seems to be rather organized, very sadistic, and has probably put significant pre-planning into the crime itself. So it appears he has taken some steps to avoid uh, leaving any, any evidence.
2: It's not that they didn't collect it, it's that there wasn't any, which implies to Mike that this killer had gotten really good at not leaving DNA. Uh-huh. So I don't know what the right answer is, but of all the ones where there was DNA, this Arthur Hilliard guy who killed Diamond Turner, there was DNA and it wasn't his. Right. So it's kind of like maybe they're not all connected.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I, know. I don't know. And no one else does either. Right. Apparently, So we're not alone. <laughs> Okay, so now it's May 2021. Remember Darren Van from Indiana? He was the actual serial killer. Right. That,
2: like, Tom and Mike were right about.
1: And he confesses to the cops, like, I carry, like, a cord around with me to tie them up. I drug my victims. And I'm going to show
2: you where all the bodies are. Where, like,
1: six more bodies are, right. So remember, Tom said, Hey, Indiana, there's yeah. a serial killer. You should pay attention. Indiana wouldn't listen. Tom was right, the guy's Darren, right? Right. Well, right, yes, yes. So Tom's like, hey, dummies, Indiana. Yeah. Can you make sure he isn't confessing to any murders in Chicago? Right. And the cops are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't say anything about Chicago. Shut up, Tom. We Guess lo- what? That's not true. Yeah,
2: because Tom being Tom did a freedom of information, a FOIA, FOIA for that police interrogation video. Right. From 2014. Yeah, which we've already seen some of. And literally, this guy, Van, says,
0: I really can't give you Illinois because Illinois probably has a whole lot of... They have more than Indiana, let's like that.
2: I've done way more murders in Illinois than I have in Indiana, and I can't even, like, begin to tell you about those. I've
1: killed so many women, I don't even know the number. Right. And oh, my th- God. And this is,
2: like, he's saying, yes, you got me on all the ones in Indiana, but Illinois, the one that we've been focusing on for these three episodes, he's saying, I killed even more people there. So he very easily could be the killer of these 51
1: women. And also, remember how, like, the demographics are different? Like, yes. the ages and the occupations? He says...
4: He would get these killing rages.
0: I guess what I'm asking... Uh, how does the rage, how do you
1: connect the rage with these people that They're,
3: are they're random. They're random.
0: All it does is take the wrong person to say something or trigger something from my past.
1: Anything can set me off, so he's confirming that like part of the pattern is that there is no pattern. Yep. the only pattern is that he gets these killing rages. Totally,
2: and he says I would like when I would feel these rages coming on, I would try to get as far away from my family as possible. I'd hop on the train and go into Illinois. Go to Chicago. Exactly, and so Tom and Mike are saying like, well, we know where he lived, and we can like f- the closest train line is this Green Line train, and they say right there, we see the highlighted of all the women who were killed right by this train station. There are victims
1: like right on the train line. Yeah, and also like, why did the cops just? Lie to Tom like this. Like, I know. why did it take all of this for Tom to find this out?
2: Is it just ego? Is it just that, like, I this this random guy can't be right? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, doesn't everybody just want to solve the thing? I don't
1: understand. This is what I've been screaming about for ten thousand years. I it know. makes no sense. <laughs> it's like because it's it seems so clear. Yeah. Like, just solve it, I know. and then we will be talking about how much you fucked up because the cases will be solved and the documentary won't be. You know what I'm saying? Totally. Like, just do the work and do your job, and then. Go home and go to bed. And like the thing, like, that I don't the, the thing that like the Chicago
2: cops can't tell us is: Did you have another theory? Did you rule this guy out? Like they won't even say. It. So maybe there is a reason they just never will tell us anything. But
1: the thing is, the Chicago cops won't connect this Darren Van guy to any of their cases. Right. Like the good news is that this guy's in prison forever. Yes. For the other murders, like that's great. Yeah. But the cops are still not even saying we're not at liberty to discuss this. Right. They're just saying he's not connected to our cases. Yeah. Also, in the most cynical way just connect it to the cases and then you don't have to worry about it. Like just say, like that could be an easy out for you. I mean and in
2: Fairness to the Chicago cops, like the killings did continue after this guy went to prison.
1: Sure, you know what I
2: mean. But he could have done some of them, some of them
1: before they were fat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and
2: he seems very eager and willing to talk. Right. You know what I mean? Just go ask him.
1: Like you have a guy who's willing to talk. You have Tom with the information. What's go? What am I missing? And also, last
2: point on this: if he's admitting to killing a whole bunch of women in Indiana, but we know it's not these women, can we can find, we find, the, find women? the other women? Can we-, <laughs> can we find the women this guy's
1: already admitted to killing? Care? I know. Oh my god. I know. And so it ends, like, suddenly I'm all, like, furious. And suddenly, like, the credits are showing up on the screen while people are talking. I'm in the middle of this rage, and I'm like, what?
2: I know. We don't get any answers. Because it
1: ends with, like, I don't know, maybe we'll figure it out one day. And that's when we get Riley, who's Angela, like, the first victim we learned about, her father, who's basically saying everything we've been saying, but he says it in a much quieter way. Yeah. But he's like,
3: I'm not saying it's supposed to be all hands on deck just because it's my family member. I'm saying it's supposed to be all hands on deck because of the look at the circumstances, look at the patterns. This shouldn't be hard to find or fix us off. Do your job. Do your job. That's all we ask. Do what you paid to do. That's all we ask. Just simply do your job.
1: Just do your jobs. I like, know. Like, we're begging you. Please, like, just really begging because he doesn't have any closure about his daughter either. I know. And then it ends with, if you have any information, which they clearly need, maybe they won't (laughs) listen to you. Tom has like the ultimate information. But you can go to cpdtip.com if you have any info.
2: I mean, it's just so crazy in the end. I very much came down on like, it seems to me much more random than like a serial killer or killers. Because the other important thing that we learn here is that the DNA didn't match the guy that we know is a killer of diamonds. Yes. But the other DNA that they have from the other victims in like 20 cases don't match each other, right? So it's not the same person killing all these people. At least the ones that we have DNA for. It's all different people, yeah. And yeah. so it's like again, I say that's more terrifying than the idea of serial killers on the loose,
1: right? Because they solved a third of these cases, the yeah. seventy-five strangulations, yep, and none of the, like they were all solved, and there right. were like the boy, like how many people are out here doing this? So
2: I'm just saying, like Tom and Mike, your algorithm clearly worked in Indiana. I don't think it quite worked in Chicago, but keep doing the work. Guys. But like
1: it still <laughs> shines light on things we need to know. That right. it's up to the to do the human work. Look, if we can simplify
2: it to like, I agree we should count things. You know what I I mean? If one cop had just done the math and been like, oh shit, there's 51 of these murders. Right. You know? it's
1: not like a magic formula, but it's a really, it's valuable information. 100%. That the cops should be using to do their job. So Brendan, I'm mad at you. Right. You're going to keep defending all this stuff. Like, just be honest. Totally. That's all all. and do your job. That's it. So that's it, Brendan. The words I have for you are shut up. Two (laughs) words, that's all. Yeah, just be a shut up Liberty. Be a (laughs) shut (laughs) up. Now you now you have to go one full episode without doing okay, it. Okay, fine. Because you promised me that was the last one and now we're here. Here we are. Oh, um, girl, we did it. We did. What's it called? It's called the Hunt for the Chicago Strangler.
2: Oh my lord! Yeah. All three apps on Discovery Plus. Really interesting stuff, fam. Go check it out. No, we
1: gotta. We got. Someone's gonna get to the bottom of this. Yes. We gotta figure it out.
2: Also, fam, come see us at Obsessed Fest September 30th to October 2nd in Columbus, Ohio. Look, I'm gonna explain it one more time. Okay. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, daytime programming. It's one. It's the festival pass. It gets you into everything.
1: All the events, like the panels, and then the yeah. family feud stuff, and the karaoke, and all that stuff. And the
2: Taylor Swift sing along. Right. All the stuff that happens during. The day except the drag brunch. That's a whole separate thing. Okay. But Friday and Saturday gets you into all of the stuff that's happening. Great. Separately, we're doing live shows on Friday night and Saturday. Friday night, it's Scamfluencers, followed by Obsessed with Disappeared. Saturday night, it's Morbid, followed by True Crime Obsessed. And then Sunday morning, we have like a whole epic drag brunch. Please come and see us. It's going to be a weekend of 2,200 of your true crime best friends. We're going to have so much fun. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be you and me, Joey Ellen, Bob Roth, Payne Lindsay, the Let's Go to Court Ladies, Maggie, Rabia, Daisy Egan. Yes. The Generation Y guys. Tim and Lance. It's going to be all your favorite true crime podcasts. Maybe some surprise
1: guests. I don't know. Maybe some surprise guests. I don't know. Anything about anything. (laughs) Just along for the ride.
2: Also, join us on the Patreon, fam. Over 350 full ad-free bonus episodes to download and binge right this
1: second. Yeah. So, it's the ad-free versions of these episodes. And then, like, the long-form series, like Making a Murderer, The Jinx, The Staircase, all that stuff that have like, multiple episodes. Yes. So many. So many. Girl, what are we doing next? Oh. We're doing dirty tricks on Showtime. What is that? About the game of bridge and all and like cheating in the bridge world. Really? Yeah, and like and just like scandals in the world of bridge. The world of bridge. How do you find these? Isaac Mizrahi is there. Shut it's up. The whole thing.
2: Oh my, Isaac Mizrahi is doing a solo show at studio at 54
1: Below. No way. Yeah, like I'm going to go and ask him about bridge. Totally. He loves the game of bridge. He's like a bridge snob. It's a whole thing. He's There's a like bridge a, liberty. So he's a bridge liberty. It's a whole. It's like the scandal that like rocked the bridge world. Oh my God. <laughs> or whatever. All right, Bebble for the trailer, for that, <laughs> our ridiculous, hilarious outtakes. That's yeah, it. That's we love it. you. Thanks so much. And let's find this guy yeah, or these guys fucking guy. like multiple guys or right,
0: multiple. There are oh too my many God. of
1: them. Let's all stay home. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> I'm scared now. All right,
0: we we'll <laughs> love you guys. Bye, we'll love you. Bye. Bye for his
4: generation. He may be the best bridge player in the world. He could have been, you know, the next Michael Jordan of the bridge. He was that good. They just kept winning major events, him and his partner on whatever team they played almost to the point it was kind of unbelievable, such a young pair winning everything. They were at the top,
2: they had everything you could want in bridge. They were making great money, they were winning all kinds of things.
3: What more could you want? I see people writing that he's a cheater, he's a cheater, he's a cheater. They put it inside my head.
4: It was all coming to a boil. There was too much cheating going on and it had to stop.
0: like the shit had to hit the fan.
3: I didn't cheat, but I brought it on myself. Bridges all my life. They took, they took my baby. They took half of me. I cannot forgive for that.
2: You know, we recently opened a 1,000-piece jigsaw puzzle in my home. I spent two hours turning all the pieces to the right side and then put it away. I was like, I don't want to do this.
1: Did you break Steve's heart? <laughs> no. Steve knew
2: I wasn't going to do it. He didn't even participate at all.
1: Oh, I thought maybe. And then, like, you went to sleep and you woke up the next morning no. and there was, like, the Picasso all well, done in the Well, that would have
2: happened. But I'm just one of those people who, like, I don't understand what people do in their homes after 7 o'clock at night. So I was like, I guess I'll try a puzzle. Nope. Not
1: you, for me. Yeah, you just go right to bed. I do. <laughs> One episode <laughs> of Girls 5 ever, and
3: it's... You're, you're, We're gonna
1: be famous 5 ever, forever, cause forever's, forever's too short. You're asleep before your head hits the pillow. It's true. Found them.
4: Software engineers. Found.
1: That project manager I could never seem to hire. And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at LinkedIn.com slash spoken. That's LinkedIn.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.
2: Girl, Wild Grain is the sponsor this week. I know you are very excited to talk about it. I'm gonna shut the I'm gonna shut the hell up.
1: I've been dying to talk about this. So Wild Grain is the First ever bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. Let me tell you, we had the croissant, we had the sourdough baguette, we had the sourdough loaf. Each item you bake it right from frozen in 25 minutes or less. There's no thawing required. What
2: is like the word for foodie for people who just like bread? Because that is Steve. Steve is a bready. When we got our wild grain box, Steve tore actually Golden tore it open. He was like Golden smelled the bread, tore the mm-hmm. thing open. We popped the baguette right in. The, I'm a baguette. And yeah. I, we devoured that baguette in 30 seconds. And you've been dying to talk about this for weeks. Like, you, this is the real deal, fam. Julian's like, signed up for this for life.
1: Yeah, Mike may, I'm not kidding. My hand, to, I swear. <laughs> Yesterday, Mike was just like, I'm a little hungry Like, a snack he wanted was the yeah. last sourdough baguette we had. And I'm like, we have to order more because uh, I don't know how we're going to survive without it.
2: So, fam, you can fully customize your wild grain box so you can get any combination of breads, pastas, and pastries you like. If you want a box full of bread, all pasta, all pastries,
1: you can have it. That's right. And plus, for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash TCO to start your subscription.
2: You heard her, free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash TCO.
1: That's wildgrain.com slash TCO, or you can use promo code TCO at checkout.